Going to church does not make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. And while it's true, you don't need to go to church to be Christian or be saved. Um, there are very good reasons and important reasons to go to church. And we're going to talk about those today. Let's go. Hey there, I'm Thomas. And I'm Sam. And this is the Silent Planet Podcast. And yes, I wrote and recorded that intro myself in a, a little tiny, like 20 by 20 bedroom with just nothing but my bare hands and my pure talent. And I'm just so proud of it. You know, I'm not trying to gloat on myself, but I, I think about that. That was a good intro. I, I wrote it myself and recorded it myself. I'm just really proud. Yeah. Yeah, like even your brother who hates us now said that it was fire. <laughs> I hope he doesn't hate us. And he probably hasn't listened to any more than the one episode he was on. But hopefully if he is listening to this, we don't hate you. We'd like no, you to come back. Daniel. Come, come back. Come we back and do Daniel. another one. Um, but yeah, so today we're talking about uh, we're talking about church. Why do we go to church? You know, yeah. what's the important important? Uh, I mean, there's stuff in Acts all about it. I mean, there's really cool stuff there. Um, obviously, the church in Acts looked very different than what it looks like now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things I think we take for granted often. Uh, oftentimes, people are raised in the traditional Southern Baptist home where. Um, honestly, the relationship aspect of Christianity isn't really in play. They just go to church, you know, every Sunday and then whatever they, they come back and watch football and then it's their normal life and and it's whatever. So there's really no relationship. They're not really connected to the church. They just go. Yeah. That could be, that could be even more true in like, um, a Catholic home. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, uh, liturgical process in that. Hey, here's the part where you say this and the priest says this. Get up, sit down, kneel. Like the the you, very you, robotic. You need, yeah, robotic in what you need to know when and where those cues are to mm-hmm. do those steps. But you could go through those cues. You could be raised in that tradition and know what those cues are really, really well, and just kind of do that day in and day out, or at least Sunday in and Sunday out. And very much, you know, once you've you've left, what have you what have you gained from that? What have you really gotten out of that? Yeah, right. Um, and, and yeah, I think this is a good question. I don't know that there's any teenager if they're from a family that, that attends church on a regular basis at some point doesn't have that kind of sense of rebellion against the traditions that they grew up with. That They're like, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, right? That, that, that's not, that's the, the scenario where you, I think we hear that question the most, mm-hmm. right? It's just those teenagers kind of figuring out, well, if Christianity is about a proposition that we believe to be true, mm-hmm. then where does that connect to actually a specific building that you go to every week? Yeah. Right? They, they're looking for that contact point. And I, be, I mean, I suppose they're right in the sense that it doesn't somehow destroy the, um, the confession, Jesus Christ is Lord, and the belief that he was raised from the dead. If you miss a Sunday, right, mm-hmm. that happens. Um, but uh, but should we make it a regular habit of missing on Sunday, right? That's the the larger question here. And um, on top of that being like, okay, that's just like the general um, state of things, regardless of where you are in your um, your day and age. At least in my lifetime, um, there's just kids that hit that certain point where they ask that question, and then sometimes they dip out of church for a while, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't have to go to church to be Christian. And so the importance of that is kind of lost for a while. But I think that's even more pressing right now 
um, with the year that we've had and yeah. what we're coming out of. I know um, the the church my sister serves at this Sunday, right? And uh, we're filming on what is today the eighth, the tenth, the tenth. Yeah, today's the tenth. Yeah, March tenth. March tenth. We're 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 recording on March tenth. So this will come out at a, at a later point, mm-hmm. but this coming Sunday from where we're recording right now is, is planned to be the first time they're going to come back after having been out this entire time. They have not met in person. Wow. They've done everything virtual. They've done everything. And there are churches that need to do that. And they tend to be an older congregation. So if it they had makes, opened yeah. the doors, they probably wouldn't have had a flood of people necessarily coming in, right? Right, And they were in the midst of getting a new building space. So they had a lot of changes kind of happen at the same time, right? And it made more sense. In fact, maybe they held their congregation together a little bit better by going virtual, mm-hmm. right? So that might have been a great move for them. And uh, um, hopefully the challenge of this next week will be a good one. You know, yeah, I hope that they'll have a lot of success when they um, actually meet in person. But that is to say, um, we didn't stay closed that long. No, here. but but that's the thing. So we did go virtual for a little bit, maybe for what, like a month, month yeah. and a half, something like that. Um, but we're still virtual too. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. We're, we kept we're continuing that going. There are people. Um, still part of the congregation that haven't come back yet. Right. Uh, and that, you know, it's, it's, that's the thing. Everything is kind of, it's, it's your, your business, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, I'm not going to knock it. Like I'm not one of those people that denies the fact that COVID exists. I think, I think yeah. COVID exists. I've had yeah. it. I, I definitely had it. Um, but if you, you know, it's your, your prerogative. If you don't feel like being at church, um, I think us as, as a church, it's probably a good idea for us to find a way to bring church to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, without risking anybody's safety, which we, we can all, we can all agree. COVID does, um, a lot more harm to older people. Yeah. You know, older generation. Yeah. And nothing I'm going to say in the spoiler alert process of this, nothing I'm going to say in my support of attending in person mm-hmm. and how important that is, is to say that somehow somebody you know, should have been attending in person when they feel like, you know, they shouldn't have because of oh, yeah. reasons, for, right? Oh, okay. For, for the sake yeah. of everything yeah, I'm yeah. saying, if they haven't met, because again, like you said, we're still meeting, you know, we still have the virtual options. Well, we still have uh, uh, probably more than half our congregation hasn't come back yet, mm-hmm. right? And so this isn't, you know, necessarily a knock to them. If they're attending virtually, if someone is consenting to be consistent, if they're mm-hmm. still consistently uh, remaining true to that church and attending those virtual meetings and getting, you know, that sense of worship still, you know, um, then then good. My, yeah. my worry is, though, that after a year mm-hmm. of not meeting in person, that eventually it just got easier to sleep in on Sunday. Yeah. And to not get around, even if that, that uh, worship service was recorded, not getting around to ever turning it on later. Oh, yeah. There, there's no question. There, there's people, I'm sure, which I, and I, don't, I don't know of specifically. I'm just saying, I'm sure in our own congregation, as many as... You know, or as well as many other churches out there where people have just kind of been, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm not going because I don't feel safe, but I'm also not going to turn the tube on right. either. Right. Which, uh, which kind of defeats the point. You don't have to be here to make it happen. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a heart posture. Right. It's like, what's your, what's your intention? Are you, are you trying to get church 
you know, one way or another. Yeah. And, and really the, the whole point of this isn't necessarily that you have to go to a physical building or you have to just watch the service. It's really what, what is church? What does church mean? Um, for, for me growing up in, in, in my household, um, I have to say, even though it wasn't, uh, like I said before I was giving the analogy about people with relation, they weren't really focused on a relationship with Christ. They were just going to church. That's kind of how it was for us. You know, mm-hmm. in our, in our family, we would just, it was just something you did. You go to church on Sundays, you go to church on Wednesdays, that's it. Um, all the while, you know, acting like fools <laughs> throughout the rest of the week and cussing and, and doing whatever we were going to do. It didn't really matter as long as we went to church at some point, it kind of outweighed it. But, but I'm lucky in, in one aspect, I'm glad we at least had the habits mm-hmm. of going Yeah, because that opened up a door for me later in life to kind of understand what the the purpose of church is, what all the relationships are for. Um, but yeah, so like we're, we're looking at this, this definition of church. What is, what is church? Yeah. Know? Yeah. And in, in my background too, I mean, we were there every week, usually twice a week mm-hmm. um, because in several of the places we attended, dad was on staff. He wasn't the music minister or the, like the pastor pastor, but he was the pastoral counselor if we were at, in the few of the places we were at, actually had a, a, a thriving pastoral counseling, um, that was one of the ministries that they did. Yeah. And he was paid to be there as part of that church offering pastoral counseling, right? Uh, up until we moved to Louisville so that he could teach that um, at a seminary level. So, uh, so we didn't miss church because we did miss church. Yeah. You know, he was on staff. He needed to be seen there. We needed to be there. We needed to have our stuff in order. All right. We didn't need to be showing up to church without our hair comb and our teeth brushed. Mm-hmm. We were, we were ready. We were, were ready and in the car on time to get to church on time. There wasn't an option. <laughs> right? right. Yeah. That's how, that's how it was. Um, so I, I can understand another young person who who's come from that background, because mm-hmm. that was my background, kind of reaching that point where they're just like, you know, I'm feeling kind of sick of this. And quite honestly, if things hadn't changed in in our uh, direction, I would have been that young man too, Yeah. right? Uh, where we were when I was in junior high or middle school, right, that the 7th, 8th, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade right? The, the particular church we were in, and this is not a knock on that particular church, but this is a knock on that, on my age group Yeah, that was in that particular right. church. Right. Um, and, and they deserve the criticism, but, um, there, there were just a few people that kind of didn't fit in with everybody else. Mm. And, uh, I was one of them because it just came down to like contemporary athletics, I yeah. wasn't into contemporary athletics. I didn't want to talk about um, basketball or football. Um, and, and in Atlanta, it, those were the two big ones at yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah, was basketball and football. I wasn't tracking on all that that stuff. And quite honestly, the the other unfortunate um, uh, whipping boy uh, who got it worse than I did. Mm. Um, but we were friends. And because I was the only one he could talk to, and a lot of the time he was the only one I could talk to, we'd be talking instead about nerdy stuff and video games and things like that. Nobody could identify with that. Yeah. Right? At least not in that particular peer group. So had we stayed there and had my high school um, life been continued at that particular church, 
and those been the relationships I had through high school, I I totally would have been the kid that was just like, forget church. Yeah. You know, I don't want any part of these people. Yeah, I get that this is important for mom and dad. And quite honestly, I like most of their friends. Well, I yeah. like the yeah, older yeah. people. They're great. You right. know, I, I, I like the pastor. I like the minister of music. The youth ministers were always excellent yeah. at this thing. But those were adult relationships. Peer to peer, most of those, at least, uh, and mostly the boys, right? I, I don't have anything to say against the girls because, quite honestly, I was at a stage where I wasn't able to really talk to them and feel confident enough. Yeah. So I, I didn't make a lot of friends with, you know, the young ladies because, and that probably would have changed in high school, just being a little more confident and starting to branch out that way. It just simply felt like me and this other kid on an island. Yeah. Right. Getting whipped up on by the other guys. And, um, and, and I remember events where, you know, kind of being the butt of some of their practical jokes, which were harmless jokes in their mind, but, when you're constantly the butt of the joke, it's a lot bigger it, of a deal. Yeah, it starts to weigh on you. Well, and see, at that, at that point, it's like, why, why even go? Like, why continue to go? And you know, actually, I can, I can relate. So, so, and, and this is, I, I don't, I will never knock Forest Park as a church because it's, my, it's my church home. I love it. Everybody here is incredible. Um, but the youth experience—that's mm-hmm. when I started going. Was when I was about fourteen, I think. I'm twenty-seven now, just for reference. Anybody listening? Um, yeah, about 14 years old at that time. So I, I was homeschooled from, from third grade forward. Uh, didn't have very many friends. I think I had two friends and they were all from like a homeschool group. So as it was, social skills were not at all developed. I was kind of weird. I was only into video games and, and um, like really, really heavy screamo music, mm-hmm. like death metal. So um, I didn't have a lot going for me either. And so I can at least relate to you in that aspect of everybody in the youth group at my my growing up here at Forest Park was like all into FCA. Um, yeah, the motocross, the motocross yeah. stuff. We and, had a lot of motocross kids at that point. Yeah, and and you know some of them were were really nice, and some of them were really really hateful. The, the problem is is the two spectrums of of uh, peers were were in a clique together, mm-hmm. right? So all the guys that were nice to me and all the guys that were real jerks to me were all kind of like embedded in their own thing. So regardless there, there'd be like a, a, a point maybe one once every two or three months where one of them would be really nice and talk to me for 20, 30 minutes. And then they would just go back to their group. And because of that, neither one of them wanted to infringe on each other. So the guys that were mean to me behind closed doors didn't want to be mean in front of the guys that were nice. And the guys that were nice didn't want to be nice to me in front of the guys that were mean. So there's this constant like cancellation there. So I, me and, and uh, a, a kid we actually grew up with, he's a really cool guy, Jason you know jason mm-hmm. um shout out jason if you're listening to this we miss you buddy jason jason come back doctor doctor doom <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah me me him and then uh, my brothers we were all just kind of i, I don't know outcasts i guess and and really it, it like when you when you have kids in church and you have situations like this where I mean, really, the bullying does happen. There is bullying, legitimate bullying. It's not uh, in some capacities just name calling, and in other capacities, like you know, somebody's trying to break somebody's arm for fun. Like it's you have that. Why subject your kid to it? Yeah. Why even yeah. keep going? And and quite frankly, you were talking about how you 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 like the adults better. The adults at Forest Park is the reason I stayed. Yeah. That's that's after my parents left the church and it was just me coming for a while. I stayed because 
the adults were like, hey, well, we, we like you. Come back. We like you. Come back. Get involved in this. Get involved in that. And I did. Uh, I'm very thankful for it. And, and I can I can say the youth group is completely different now than it used to be. Yeah. Um, for the better. Much, yeah, well, much better. They, 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 yeah, they tend to go through, you know, different, different um, cycles. Uh, cycles. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, um, the particular cycle I was caught in, at least as a junior high, student yeah felt like and when you're in junior high you feel like that's kind of like your world's not very big mm-hmm. we talked about kind of that um that that uh, difference between the worldview that is a cross that can extend its hands in the four directions forever and the worldview that's a circle that's kind of a bubble and your your world can only be as big as your diameter the diameter of that circle or mm-hmm. of that bubble right so when when I'm sorry when you're in middle school you're you're probably in a bubble even if you're in church yeah right the conceptual idea of your worldview being that big it's just it can't be because you're in middle school everything kind of gets consolidated into that bubble and that's why things to a middle schooler or you know even high schoolers sometimes it just feels like your entire world is crumbling right before them mm-hmm. over things that really aren't that big a deal, but they cannot they cannot gauge what deals what is big and what isn't. Yeah, right. What it, what is really a big deal and what isn't? And and I was no different as a middle schooler, and so that being the size of my worldview, it really felt like, you know, this is the view of church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the adults are fine, um, and they've got good resources, and they even had great leadership, but. Uh, do I really want to continue on as as my own peer group becomes the ones who are in charge of this place yeah. one day? You know, and I'm thinking, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, well, right? that's the thing. I'd been, I'd been, <laughs> I was ready. I'm sure at you know, 13, 14 years old to jump ship. Yeah, you know, and um, uh, needed. Uh, didn't have a choice. There was no option to jump ship at 13 and 14 years old, and that was probably a good thing. But then ultimately what happened was we got uprooted there, and that's also a critical kind of um, informative time in a young man's life to all of a sudden be uprooted. So that created other problems. Mm-hmm. But what it, one, one area it actually benefited was the church area, right? When we got uprooted from Atlanta, because dad got this opportunity to work um, in Southern, in its pastoral counseling department. Uh, as far as church goes, that was a good move. That got us into a another church that had another thriving um, uh, young person, people, youth, both high school, middle school, had a thriving children's um, um, ministry as well. Uh, and the difference being in this instance that the person, the leader that these high schoolers were looking up to every Sunday, their Sunday school teacher mm-hmm. was my uncle. Yeah. Right? Who at that time, uh, pretty quickly, they love him. They love his teaching. They loved his sense of humor. Everything about Uncle Chris was what made, you know, the, that whole church experience for these young people. So they're meeting now his nephew and they didn't know me from anybody. They didn't know there was a nephew and yeah. now I'm part of that group, right? Naturally inherited. Yeah. 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 And so I inherited already. I was, I, I wasn't coming from behind mm-hmm. like I was before. I right. felt like I was coming from behind only being on this Island. Now people are interested in, wow, what's, what's this younger Conver guy like? 
Is he as funny and as smart as is is the guy we all know has all the answers? You know mm. that we all look forward to hearing every Sunday. You know um, that was a good thing for me. That worked out much better. And you know, I I still had to forge my own, so to speak, yeah. uh, personality in that because I'm not my uncle. Um, but uh, but that that made for a much better experience. And church was not a place I wanted to get away from at that point. At so, that stage in my life in in that group in that youth group i guess was there a kid though that was like the outcast were there one or two yeah i mean there's always ones that are a little on the because they take a little bit longer to kind of move into that like understanding the Mm -hmm. social dynamic and uh and this is before you know because i'm old this is before homeschool (laughs) was really like had a following Yeah. yeah it was rare that to find like, anybody like that was actually homeschooled. So these are kids that are legit going to public school just like I am. Um, but but I, I, it was probably undiagnosed um, autism because we understand that a lot better now too mm-hmm. than we did back then. Yeah, There were yeah, probably yeah. a lot of kids that were on that spectrum um, further than, than we knew. And they were still functional but they were weird and they yeah, were weird because right. they were on that spectrum, you know? Um, so when I look back now, yeah, there were, there were kids that were kind of, kind of, uh, uh, in that boat and, you know, you want to be as much as you can sympathetic when all of a sudden you find yourself on the other side, right? When you've got a leg up, you know, and people are interested in who you are because they're, you know, you've got family, you're, you're kind of a legacy in that sense, right? You've got a leg up now, to help those who, you know, might otherwise just be overlooked. Yeah. And I tried to look at it that way. I don't know that I did that perfectly every time. I I think it's an unavoidable situation, to be honest. I think every church that has any, any type of youth group above 10 or or so kids, there's always going to be one or two, always one or two that kind of get, you know, left in the dust. And I don't think it's, it's ever at any fault of the, um, the youth leader, cause that's the thing in, in my own situation here at forest park, it's like, I can retell my, my version of the story of like how, how youth group was for me. And most people I tell that went to forest park at the time were like, wow, no, I had no idea. That's, that's crazy right. was, yeah. for them though. If they retell, they're like, yeah, best youth group I've ever been, been part of incredible. Mm-hmm. We went on these mission trips. We did all this, you know, awesome events. The youth pastor was really rocking. It was really great, like a great time. So I think that it's, it's hard, you know, it, it's hard, but it's like one of those things I wonder, and I, and I hate to say it this way, but well, maybe I don't hate to say it this way. Maybe if you have a kid in church that is getting overlooked like that, maybe it's time to kind of look for a different space. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. or depending or, on what the situation is, of course. Yeah, or maybe the the issue is what made the difference. You know, in in you know your own case was the adult leadership too. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it wasn't just this one youth pastor. Even at even the best of youth pastors, the most energetic, creative, mm-hmm. whatever. If you put him in a room with too many kids, if he's just simply that outnumbered yeah and and he doesn't have a support staff it doesn't matter how talented he is you know that kind of well people are going to get overlooked it's It's going to happen blame blame it on the kids yeah yeah you you blame it on the kids because that's the thing is they they're not old enough to really take responsibility for something like that or really know they know what they're doing but they don't know what they're doing yeah like as a grown adult would know and and you, you can't really blame anybody but but the group of kids and the natural order of kids just being kids 
That's just how it works. Well, and I think too, there's this larger. Um, uh, there's something that uh, if if you read in uh, C.S. Lewis has a whole book called the Screw Tape Letters, mm-hmm. which is interesting because um, it's a conversation between a senior devil and a junior devil, and the senior devil is kind of coaching the junior devil on how to be better at doing things like pulling people away from church, pulling people away from the devotional life and the spiritual disciplines and things like this, right? And, of course, the junior devil is making rookie mistakes in that process. And it's up to the, the senior devil here to kind of, okay, here's where you went wrong. You allowed that person, you know, when, when he was taking a quiet time, uh, you allowed him the freedom to actually pursue higher thoughts, thoughts of, like, trying to, to reach into what God has thought and think those thoughts after him, right? Theology. Bible study, things like that. What you ought to have done is is allowed him that free time to pursue like his own selfish desire, mm-hmm. his own quiet time that turned into his time as opposed to it being like an actual devotional time. So he's given him hints like that, right? The the whole point though of that book is that there there really is kind of this malicious intent by a world that we can't see mm-hmm. to draw us out of that devotional life and that devotional world. It's done in jest in the book. It's even humorous at times. But there's a truth behind that, right? It's always at work. And if it can draw you away because you feel somehow like you're on the island Mm -hmm. um, amongst these other groups or uh, uh, there's a particular kid that just doesn't get it at all and, and he simply has it out for you, right, and you don't have any protection from that, if that can be what draws you away, um, if, if it can be a lack of adult leadership that's necessary to hold on to you and that will draw you away, whatever the tactic is, we're, they're all being used to mm-hmm. try and draw us away ultimately, right? And if we can come to the conclusion that I might have come to at 14, you know, I don't need this place. Yeah. I don't need this building to be a Christian, if we if it can draw us into that conclusion, there's something they've won a little bit of a uh, that that's that's like one of those uh, ridges that they just took in right. the, the larger battle in in that instance because um, it, you get somebody thinking that way. It, it, there's truth to that. Yes, you're not a Christian just because you walked into the church or because you attend enough. That's that's not how that works. But if you come at it from the other side where you, you say, okay, I believe I'm Christian enough to keep my walk strong on my own, that's the danger. Yeah. Right? That, that you think, I can do this without the assembly. I can do this without without the church, without uh, people who've gone this route ahead of me, who know more than I do, who have more experience than I do. Um, that I can do this without that sense of family behind me, of people that care about me, that are um, um, there when you, know, you have both your successes and your failures. They're the cheerleading squad for your the wins that you have in life, and they're there to help pick you up when you fail, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you've reached the point where you're like, I actually don't need that anymore. I can still do this Christian life on my own. That's a problem yeah, that, because that's not true. Good luck. Right. Yeah. yeah, it won't happen, right? That's the danger. 
And, and yeah, we're at a position right now in the world where um, there are still church buildings that are closed, and, and hopefully in those instances, they're still having their worship services remotely, but it is not the same. It is still different. Um, yes, log into the Zoom, whatever it is, get as involved as you can, but you know, if you can get in that building and it's open and, and you're feeling like um, you're not afraid of getting sick um, or you can do it and do it safely, do it because it's important that we meet. It is important that we assemble together. There's more strength in those numbers. And when you're up against these unseen forces that are, are um, much older and much smarter than we are, that are trying to convince us that we can do it on our own. That's actually what they want you to believe. If you're falling into that trap, that's dangerous, yeah. right? And yeah, I could have done it at 14. It wouldn't have been that hard to pull me away. Well, interesting statistics. So I just looked this up here. Um, roughly 75% of adults in the United States, and this is as of 2015, by the way, um, they identify as Christians. Mm-hmm. roughly 75 and that's in, in America. Um, but of Americans, and this was in 2013, roughly 37% actually go to a church. Mm-hmm. Pretty different. Pretty, yeah. pretty big difference. You're going to identify as Christian, but you don't have a church home. Right. Right. And yeah, there's times that you go like when you're in the process of moving to a new city and you don't have a church home yet. That's a lot of Americans but, living in new cities. But look, you know, <laughs> when you get there, start looking. That yeah. should be one of the priorities um, to to establish what's going to be your church home. So, yeah, if you're constantly in flux or if you don't have like, oh, I've got these places I go, but are they really my church home? And you're not willing to call that your church home. Mm. I think that's a problem, too. You should be committed to one of those one of those assemblies, yeah, right. They they need you as much as you need them. They well, need I mean, your we're, contribution. We're actually called to be a part of church. It's part of the body, yeah, right. And there's a reason that the Bible uses that type of language. Now, right? it obviously, body doesn't work when you take away part of part of its pieces, right? Parts, parts, of, parts its of its pieces. <laughs> you, you grab an ear and take it away from the body. The body's not going to function as well yeah. without that ear, right. right? It doesn't matter what the part is. We all play a part. Now, that's not to say, obviously, we're, we're not necessarily... Um, I don't, at least don't mean to sound like I'm cracking down on people who aren't able to go. Like if you have... You yeah, know, if you're in... Like job stuck, situation or, yeah, or something's, or you know... Trapped in bed because, you know ailments or whatever it is. Yeah, or you're not, you're just homebound. You're at that stage in life where that's just what it is, right? right? Like dad is homebound at Mm -hmm. this point. It's a lot of work to get him up and out and have him actually go to a building, right? I'd have to go over there early in the morning and, and that would be a few hours to get him ready to be able to actually go to a building, right? Um, so yeah, that, that's a stage in life too, where you're just homebound and we, we have to do what we can. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but otherwise just assuming you're healthy enough and we're coming to the end of this pandemic and people are starting to get the vaccines and, um, um, it's just, we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel and churches are opening back up again. Uh, You're needed there. 
Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's time to, to move that direction. If you feel, you know, um, if you don't feel like you're somehow in danger yeah. in that regard, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise somebody who's got like a compromised immune system and they are legitimately still afraid of getting sick. Well, yeah, by all means, then, you know, turn on the computer, watch the service there, right? Comment on it. You know, let your voice be heard. Get involved in that regard. Right. But, man, as soon as you can, they need you, and you well, need like, them. It's like take the opportunities that show themselves. You know what I mean? And so, like, with uh, with the Christian walk in general and, and outreach, ministry, missions, or church, anything, when we're talking about relational stuff, building relationships with communities, whatever, um, you, you will only see, um, you know, the distance that God can go or God can push you and use you if you show up. Right. And if you're not yeah, showing yeah. up, then then you're you're robbing yourself and somebody else. You know, there there's been there's been times where, um, well, here, yeah, this is a good enough example. So, like, I was when I was younger, I was in drama, I was in a lot of plays, and we we're practicing for we were doing West Side Story. We we're practicing for this, um, this you know musical we were doing, and just something I felt something urging. Like this is like you need to go talk to this person and just you know ask them if they if they can pray. Like ask them if they want to pray with you, if you can pray for them. And I did it. And it turns out it was one of those opportunities that I, I presented myself to. I said, I showed up, I took the opportunity. It turns out the person really needed it. Yeah. Um, it meant a lot to them. I'm not, I'm not saying every situation is like that, but just simply going to church, you might be able to hear about, um, Hey, we're doing an outreach meeting after church on Sunday. Do you want to go? You show up to that and then find out, Oh, Hey, there's, there's a lot of this outreach stuff that I didn't feel qualified for, but I can actually do some of these things mm-hmm. and feel called to do it. You could be making a very big difference in somebody's life. Um, just, just by showing up. Yeah. And, and it's kind of a domino effect. I think it's important. Um, anyways, so scripture Right, yeah, we've got a few passages speaking. here, scripturally speaking. Of course, the Bible's going to support that we should be in church, yeah. right? And that's not because the Bible is supporting the church as a money-making operation. It has right. nothing to do with that, right? So uh, uh, I think the most pressing passage is in Hebrews 10, right? So I'm going to read this section here. And there's a lot going on here, but toward the end, we can clearly hear what's being what's being stated and all that. So um, I'm going to start. This is Hebrews 10, uh, starting at verse 19 and down to uh, 24. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near." So right there at the end, right, not forsaking our own assembling together, 
There's a value in yeah. assembling together. That's in, that's important. And in the process of that, when we draw near, and you see this too, anytime you like bring people together for um, a, a united cause, and it doesn't even have to be a matter of faith or you know a religious experience. Mm. It can just be you get everybody together and you have a really cool rock concert, right? The more people that are there and that are on board with how cool this event is, the more people come away thinking, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. Right? And the more the uh, performers usually are on it, the more you know engaging the, the audience is. Right? So just simply by adding bodies to the, the, the process, bodies of people who are kind of sold out on this idea that, um, that, that we're going to draw near that we're going to have um, our sprink- that we're going to be sprinkled clean from this evil conscience that we're going to be washed with pure water right and and that we're holding fast to a confession of our hope right that whole like uh, we believe that um, uh, Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead that's your confession mm-hmm. right you're holding fast to that process every time we meet we're kind of holding fast and reasserting that confession, whether we state it or not, just by our, um, just by uh, bringing ourselves into the assembly, our presence in that process is a reaffirmation of your confession, right? That that's important stuff. But specifically in Hebrews, that when you forsake assembling together, that's not a good thing, right? That I think that's one of the clearest indications right there out of Hebrews. Uh, If you've arrived at, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian, and part of that is you somehow think you do it better on your own than they do it in those churches, Mm -hmm. you are forsaking the assembly. Yeah. That's not okay. You just, you've been to the wrong one probably. Right. That, well, yeah, maybe you just need to keep looking, but, but for sure, if you reach a point where you are forsaking the assembling together, then, um, you're in the wrong. Well, and, and I think so. If we look at 25, so not abandoning, uh, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another. Mm-hmm. Um, the encouraging one another part actually kind of um, insinuates relationships. Yeah, right. Kind of and that that kind of goes against the idea of like what like I was talking about before, um, going through the the habits, the robotic aspect of just showing up to church and then going home. Well, how can you? How can you encourage one another? How can you be relational with somebody if you're just showing up and leaving? Right. Yeah. Right. I think there's a there's definitely a strong call for relation in that. Yeah. Community. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, community and and relationships. Um, the uh, the next one we've got here is um, out of Ephesians chapter five, and usually when we come to this passage here. Uh, we're talking about this idea of how marriage and the church, or um, how how this this idea of the mystical union, right? That this institution of marriage is God's idea, and it's akin to how Christ is um, bonded with the church, right? Marriage equals Christ and church, right? Mm-hmm. And that, again, that's a mystery. And we're not going to unpack all that. That would be its own podcast. But within the course of all this, that is to say, um, that's how important the church is to Christ, mm. right? The assembly 
is that important to Christ. And that is the universal church. That's not a specific this church or that church or this particular denomination, but that is the universal church, the universal assembly of people who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe he was raised from the dead here. Right, so this is a uh, twenty-two and down to probably thirty-two, no, 33. thirty-three. Yeah. yeah. So it says, "Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives." just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall be, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also ought to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband, right? So yeah, you can get into the whole like it's not woke to talk about how that interpersonal uh, relationship goes of headship Mm -hmm. within the marriage. Right. But most of that section, if you simply look at, you know, what verses are talking about the headship in marriage and what verses are simply talking about the church and Christ, it's overwhelmingly geared towards this is this is a picture of Christ in the church. Yeah. Overwhelming back and back again that that Christ loves the church that he might present himself the church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she would be holy and blameless, right? <laughs> That's what it's about. Yeah. And and so yeah, modeling like a uh, husband and wife relationship after the church relationship which is yeah how are you part of the body of christ how are you part of this church here that it's talking about like a bride on her wedding day if you've come to the conclusion that you can do it better by not going yeah it it doesn't work right you cannot forsake the assembly and here's why because the assembly is the bride the bride of Christ. You can say, okay, I believe uh, Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead, uh, but I have a real problem with that bride. <laughs> I have a problem, <laughs> problem with it. How can you do that, right? It doesn't really work. You've got to be also in love with the bride, so to speak, and that's that's how Jesus loves the church. And yeah, that's a great, I think that's a, a wonderful picture, husbands and wives, and how that headship happens in relationship and all of that, and people get their, you know, get all twisted up about it. But God's design's better for Agreed. a reason, 
right? And statistically in, speaking, children do better in those yeah. situations. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a whole other one. That's too. a whole other <laughs> podcast also. But yeah, you get a, a child and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the wealthiest financially uh, um, of relationships, like beneficial of relationships. But yeah, you want to privilege a kid, then he needs to grow up in a home with mom and dad where mom and dad love each other. Yeah. That's a privileged kid every, every time, right? That's a kid that's going to have a better shot than anyone else. If he sees dad and mom love each other and what that healthy relationship looks like, that's a winning guaranteed plan every single time. But it's it's just as cross relatable though. When you look at, um, you know, Christ and, and the church is his bride, right? Well, okay, let's let's look at the idea of what a child in that situation looks like. It would be somebody who's young in the faith or not necessarily saved, right? So you have to look at that if you have a healthy display of voice. So we're, we're not talking about um, these psycho fringe churches that go and scream at people and that they're going to go yeah, to hell. Yeah. Or, you know, call, we're talking about the universal church at large, Collection yeah. of people who are following Christ the best we can. When church is done in a healthy way, right. you can raise believers in the faith and help build that relationship with Christ better. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. It, it's it's so so fascinating how um, the Trinity works with their relationship, then Christ and the church relationship works in that, in that relationship, which is based off of the same thing, which husband and wives are based off of the same thing. It's all a very specific design. Mm-hmm. Um, but over history in general, if you, if you look at it, uh, has a very high su- success rate. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I want, I wonder too, as mysterious as this design is right. Cause that, yeah, we, we, we can see this connection in this picture and, and understand the, the beauty of it. It's a beautiful thing when a husband loves his wife as Christ loves his church, loves the church. Right. They, they want to say, well, you know, you're saying women should submit to their husbands, you think a woman's going to have a problem submitting to a man who loves her to the degree that Christ loves the church? Right. Right? What? Where's the problem in submission here? The, the problem right? is that, that, that they're... That's a beautiful thing. The, the problem is that they're looking at the situation of an abusive husband. So yeah, you're telling me the yeah. guy who drinks all the time, who stays out you know, late, gets off work, goes to strip clubs, come home, punch his wife, and then she's supposed to do what he says? They probably shouldn't be married. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking. Yeah, no, we're not saying women should submit to all men. Yeah. Right. And we're not even necessarily saying, yeah, wives should submit to husbands. But sometimes, yeah, you got a bad, toxic husband there. Stop using the terrible example. Yeah. But to to hyper criticize Christianity at large. Yeah. Or the the design of of a husband and wife at large. The general design, and, and it's a much higher calling on the men, is that the men love their wives. As yeah. much as Christ loved the church. Right? Well, that's, and that's so harder to do. In my situation, right? I didn't leave the church specifically because men of the church took me under their wing and said, this is how you, or at least, at least displayed, this is how you be a man, a godly man. This is how you behave. This is what this looks like. And because of that, um, I was, I was subject to, um, I guess, well, I'm, I'm losing my, my train of thought here. Um, uh, because of all of that, I was, uh, more inclined to stay, more inclined to seek out that relationship. And then because I was given that role model now, I, I kind of know what's right and wrong as far as, as that goes. There's a, there's 
some sort of redeeming quality about that, but going right. from an unhealthy church like I was before, which was actually much, much worse than what I'm, I'm talking about with the youth group. But um, there were several churches I'd been to in the past that were very unhealthy. And I feel like if I had stayed in those churches, um, yeah, I would have just gone downhill. I probably wouldn't be in a church right now. And um, yeah, yeah. They, may, maybe kind of on the fence. I kind of believe whatever. It's not a big deal. Yeah. There, there's probably plenty of cases where people are like, man, you just read about how, um, that Christ is going to present the church, going to present her in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. And they're thinking, have you seen that church yeah. <laughs> that I just came out of? You want to talk about holy and blameless? Are you kidding me? These people don't come anywhere close. They hate each other. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there are a lot of places that just simply aren't healthy. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why it's important to find a good, healthy place um, to, in order to be able to be, um, the, the salt and light, in order to be able to be, to represent the, the body, um, the way it ought to be. Yeah. Right. And, and maybe that, maybe that's a rarer thing. Um, than, than I think it is. I, th- I think it's more common than it's given credit for. Mm. I, I think if you really look in most, uh, local level communities, you can probably find one or two, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And as those communities, you look larger and larger, you're going to find more and more. I think of healthy uh, communities, healthy assemblies. Well, in the situations where they didn't find one or whatever, I mean, but yeah, but did you stop looking? Yeah, exactly. Did you keep looking or did you stop looking? Right. And if in the situation that you stopped looking, I think the answer is you didn't look hard enough. Well, and two, there are forces, unseen forces, that have a lot of control and power to distort things. So if you're actively in a position where you're looking and you honestly went in there looking and had a bad experience, that would be one of their, you know, attempts to draw you away. So yeah, if it worked, then don't, don't agree with them. (laughs) Don't agree with these, you know, uh, devils as it were that try and draw us away from the assembly. Mm. That's not, that's not a good thing. Right. Another passage that we've got here out of Colossians 3. Colossians 3, and this is uh, 12 to 17. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now, this is one of the key, like, worship passages. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. When you get there to, like, talking about uh, worshiping with, um, you've got your teaching, wisdom, admonishing, but with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart, right? Part of our worship should be in the expression of music, mm-hmm. even if you aren't that good a singer, yeah, right? Right. That you should still be engaging in these spiritual songs. 
and you ain't going to probably engage in the spiritual songs on your own. Now, maybe you do. Well, I've got this whole playlist, you know. I I <laughs> listened to Toby Mac, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Yeah, hold on. So, you, yeah, you, you put the redneck voice on. So you listen. <laughs> Funny enough. I'm not. I'm not much of a redneck. I, I don't watch sports. I don't drink beer, and I, I don't like uh, country music at all. But I know an awful lot of rednecks that love Toby Mac. <laughs> you might be onto something. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. Uh, uh, yeah, you might have that playlist that's your worship list. You may have the radio in your car on the Christian station. That's all very good stuff. Mm. Carry your worship with you when you leave the building, but. Where worship definitely happens, it happens both privately and corporately. There's yeah. two sides to that. We we're actually meant to worship. That it, we're made to worship. It's part of the design of of our humanity, and we will worship. There's no getting around it. You will find something to occupy your time, something that you will engage in all your thoughts and activities that is bigger than you whether you mean to or not, right? So finding where that worship ought to lie in, in you know, the service of God and doing that, not just trying to do it privately, but, but corporately as well, because well, we are meant to live in community. Where two or more are gathered. Right? Yes, exactly. There's, there's an additional kind of tack. I mean, you can worship in private, but just saying. Right, and there's nothing wrong with worshiping in private. You should have private times of worship. But we should have corporate times of worship also. They're both important. They're both critical. They're both part of being that bride, right? And and being that bride that is, you know, pure and spotless. So, uh, so yeah, we can't negate, okay, I'm just going to have the private worship and no longer have the corporate worship. Something's going to go wrong mm. in that process because in the corporate worship, we also have this wisdom and teaching Right, which can come in the form of you know your Sunday school teacher, or it can come in the form of the actual pastor and the sermon, mm-hmm. or it can just come in the form of somebody else who acts as a spiritual advisor, you know, because they get involved in your life, yeah. right, in some way. That uh, where do you find wisdom? Because that comes from an external source. If you think I'm going to do worship on my own and I'm also going to find wisdom on my own, how are you going to pull that off? Wisdom comes from an external source, right? And that means most of the time an external person, right? You you go outside yourself to find that wisdom. So that's what happens in the body. That's what happens in corporate worship. That's where we find there are other sources of wisdom of people who have been doing this Christian walk longer than we have who've been through some of the same trials we have, right? And even the ones that we're facing that they haven't been through, they can still kind of help lift you up and carry you when, you know, you're too um, too whipped to walk yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what the community does. So that that's the Colossians 3 passage. Um, the last one is Romans chapter 12, and this is like in reference to that whole, we've, we've said it already, that the church is a body. The idea that it is a body and that we all play a part, right? We get that in Romans chapter 12. So from the beginning here, 
I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but to think as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy, according to the portion of his faith, if service in his serving, if he who teaches or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, right? So this idea that, we again, you can't do it on your own because the body has different parts. There's no way any one of us has enough gifts, no matter how creative you are, mm. to actually fulfill all the functions, right? We need each other. We all play a separate part in that. Um, so regardless of what my gifts might be, there's, a, there's an end to that. There's an end to that list, right? It's not exhaustive enough for me to be able to pull off worship on my own. Mm-hmm. I need the corporate worship process. I need, um, in, in, uh, if nothing else, for sure, I need the music side of things. Because on my own, about the best time I get is turn on Mo- Toby Mac. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't get up there like Thomas and lead the worship in yeah. music. Right? Well, I mean, it's just the same. I can't, I can't get up there and preach. I mean, you know, it's every, everybody, well, yeah, I'm, I'm about to go off on like a, a, a train of, of trying to piece together thoughts. Uh, but there, there's people that are crucial in church. So we've got our deacons, we've got the guys that, it's so like our, our Matthews that, that know all the electric stuff. And, and then our Chris's that can organize the Sunday worship. And then our Carson's that can intellectually put together sermons and, and head up uh, different organizations and outreach programs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Without each other, we would fail. We would right. completely crumble and there wouldn't be much of a church at all. Yeah. Yeah. It, it takes, it takes a body. Um, and it, in the healthy body, uh, can, man, a healthy church, a real healthy body where all these parts are coming together and people love each other. It's not going to be without its problems. There, there are going to be problems. Things yeah. come up, you know? Um, but, but if, if it's doing it on the whole, man, that can change the entire, um, uh, course of a city right an entire city can be changed just simply from the faithful um work and diligence of one healthy church yeah that's that's Hel- healthy church is the key though that's the thing when yeah, you're looking healthy. at unhealthy <laughs> churches that's so the unhealthy church can do a lot of damage to a city yeah. well then in the colossians three twelve uh reminded me so once again those of uh as those who have been chosen by God, holy beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Um, just as, you know, and, and whoever complained against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you. That's something you don't see in, in you know, unhealthy churches. And as, right. as 
somebody with personal experience with some unhealthy churches in the past, um, that you see a lot of gossiping. People are more uh, more interested in a gossip or, or just the show of, I, I go to church and it's important for me to, you know, for people to see that I go to church rather than actually getting anything out of it. You're where you're looking more towards the uh, Wednesday night potluck than you are the sermon on Sunday morning. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's a crucial verse or set, set of verses. I think yeah, is, yeah. is kind of put on the right heart posture and make sure you're in the right position. Your heart has to be in the right spot. You have to be willing to forgive these people, what, whatever they do and, and wholeheartedly wanting them to be better people and closer to Christ. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's, there's no perfect household. There's no perfect church. Right. But, um, but you want to find a place you love. Mm-hmm. You want to get in, get involved in a place where you know you feel like um, that that you can that you can be used, um, that your gifts will thrive, right, and and that um, that you'll play a part in being the body, being the bride, um, as opposed to trying to do things on your own. And again, we're in the midst of hopefully coming to the end somewhat of this pandemic scare. And um, hopefully, you know, people that have stayed away from church have done so for the sake of their health, right? And and uh, in that process, though, you, you still can't even just doing it by way of Zoom or, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, the live streams. Um, it, it, it's still it's still taking a lot of just the person themselves to do it. That, the actual process of the assembly, really doing the assembly means coming together. Right. Yeah. So I'd encourage anybody as soon as you you feel like it's safe enough for you, you don't feel like you're threatened anymore, and hopefully that's um, that. Uh, hopefully that comes before we have a hundred percent vaccinations, because yeah. we'll probably never have a hundred percent vaccinations. Yeah. Right. To some extent, this this particular disease may just be part of our rolling. Just like we have the flu, and it's a little different every year, and mm-hmm. that's why you often get a shot for it every year, right? Um, I hope that we do, though. People start coming out of their homes and out of their holes, and so to speak, um, ready to engage in the church, um, and and not feel convicted by having to kind of hide this last year, so to speak, um, because sometimes that's just what it what it took. Yeah. Um, but it, it concerns me. My, my worry is when I see our numbers down, I know everybody else's numbers down too, right? Every church is operating at half or less capacity of what they were before this pandemic started. I can't help but, but feel that a lot of those a long time ago may have been following the live streams, but eventually just kind of fell off Yeah, because it's too easy to not, Right, it's too easy to just be like, yeah, I'm just not gonna, yeah. you know. There's no one really holding you accountable. It you just whether well, or not I mean, you what, turn, what are no we gonna, one will know the difference. What are we gonna do? Beat you up? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so yeah, I I hope we see a resurgence of of people coming back. I have a feeling that's going to take longer mm-hmm. though, and I think it's because a lot of people are in this rut right now. Maybe they haven't really thought it through. They just simply, it takes some discipline even to turn on the live stream and they've gotten out of the discipline of doing it, right? But I think in a lot of cases, there's something about in order to keep your heart 
warm to the things of God, you have to kind of stay near them. Mm -hmm. You get away from the fire and you kind of start losing the flame yourself. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, I'm afraid there's a lot of people that went from, um, uh, hot to lukewarm and, you know, are, are getting colder by the, by the week yeah. right now. So I, I hope we see a change to that. I don't know what the coming weeks will have for us, but well, when, when things are better, when, you know, when the vaccines are out, get back, get back to church. If you don't have a church, keep looking. Don't, yeah. Don't stop looking. Don't That's, stop looking even in a pandemic. Yeah. 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 Cause most of these live streams are right there on their websites. Well, if you all have enjoyed this podcast, we are available on Apple, Spotify, a whole slew of other podcast outlets that I don't feel like mentioning. Um, we're on Facebook. If you like us uh, and you have friends and family that like podcasts as well, share us with them. Um, we're sure uh, we would sure be grateful that they would be listening and also be blessing other people and, and maybe they'd be getting something out of our, our content as well. Um, but yeah, as always, I'm Thomas. And I'm Sam. And this has been the Silent Planet Podcast. We will catch you all next week.